And we're live. Welcome back to the Medtocracy podcast. This week, we have an interesting guest. Imagine a medtech founder, but they're also a doctor who knows healthcare inside out. In today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Priyanka Mather, who is the founder and CEO of MediPocket. She is on a mission to use AI to put your health in your pocket. We go over this and much more in this episode. As always, hope you enjoy. Cool. All right. Dr. Priyanka, welcome to Metocracy. Hi, Dion. How are you? Thank I'm fine. you. How are you doing today? Good. Beautiful, but a cool day. <laughs> that's that's always great as well and we're we're excited and thrilled to have you here on medtocracy because you're doing something really interesting you are a co-founder and a doctor by day so your perspective on this industry will definitely be very useful and enlightening to our listeners so your vision is to help transform from the sick care model to a data-driven predictive model using science and artificial intelligence. As a doctor and currently practicing within the sick care model, can you tell me about what do you mean when you say sick care model and what are you doing to enable the transformation from that model to a healthcare system? Sure, so, you know, the name itself, the sick care explains it, it's like caring of the sick. So our current healthcare system is, is structured that way that we care for the sick when you have a sick tummy, we will give them the treatment effectively as needed, and then it's done. The care stops there, yeah. whereas it shouldn't be that way. The system, and just to give you a little reference, is the reason why the system is like this is because the system was created, our healthcare system was designed back in 1900. That is the time where most of the people were dying out of diseases like pneumonia, like similar diseases. And that is the time when the vaccines and the antibiotics and stuff were, were getting you know, discovered and, and used. Mm-hmm. So the model there is for the doctors and nurses to, to deliver the treatment effectively. Now that's, that's where the sick care is. Now these days also 99% interruption of, of regular patients or caregivers with the healthcare system is when you get sick. And that is when you go to a doctor or to a healthcare system. Um, and the result of that sick care system is it becomes inefficient and it becomes expensive. And that is the reason that, um, again, with numbers, the healthcare industry, $3.1 trillion. Yeah. And the US is number one in expenditure in healthcare. But unfortunately, we are 31st in number in the quality of care we are providing. Wow. And the yeah. reason of this wide gap in the expenditure and the quality is because, again, we are focused on sick care. We are focused when you're sick, you take care of you. After that, come back with another condition. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the system needs to be more well care, where I should be caring for your well-being, uh, health well-being, mm-hmm. which starts mm-hmm. from the conditions that you have currently are the conditions that you can have because of your your past health history, your family history. There's a lot of information. Is there in your own health information from the past? And that is what, you know, when in the well care, I would say there are three elements that can help is the knowledge, knowledge of the patient. So when I say knowledge, you do not want every patient to go to eight years of medical studies and be a doctor and not have that knowledge, but knowledge about your condition, knowledge about your health. 
So that is very important. And why that knowledge is important is because when you have a knowledge of something, you get involved in it. Mm-hmm. And involvement of the patient in the care in their own healthcare is very, very important. That's where you can take control of it. So knowledge with the practical uh, application, which is your involvement, and then the support, support of not only the healthcare system, but the support of your social support, the family support. Obviously, last things to go for, to Facebook to find a social support, but you know, I mean, in our, our talk, we, I will, we will talk how MediPocket is creating that support system also. But those are the three elements I, I would, I feel that is very um, important in redesigning our healthcare system to be a well care system. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I think that's really a really good synopsis of everything that's occurring. And um, you, you bring up the U.S. being 21st in quality, right? And the U.S. is just one sick care system. Are there any examples of any other countries where you would say they have that well care system that you talk of? Unfortunately, not. No. no. Um, with my, uh, again, a little bit about my background is I'm uh, <clears throat> specialized in internal medicine mm-hmm. and I have experience of practicing that in three countries, mm-hmm. India, Russia, and US. And uh, being exposed firsthand to the healthcare system of these kind of countries, unfortunately, healthcare system is needs a redefinition, restructure in each country. Some countries in a different way, in US, it's more about being very expensive and that sometimes it becomes unaffordable because of that. Um, in some countries like India, it, it's about the access of the right care, which mm-hmm. makes the system inefficient. But again, the model is sick care. Um, and in Russia, they have their own struggles. So every mm-hmm. country has their own struggle, but base of each country, healthcare, current healthcare system is sick care. I got you. And when it comes to addressing these problems, you know, you have this whole notion of your health in your pocket being your health tech startup, MediPocket. So for our listeners, what is MediPocket and why did you start this company? So your health in your pocket is about carrying your health mm-hmm. uh, in your pocket, which means having a control over it. When you have anything in your pocket, that means you own it or you have a control over it. And that is what we want to bring control of health into the, back to patients' patients' hands where you need to be involved and you need to be in control of it. So that's what it is. And our mission actually is to help individuals worldwide to take control of their health by making medications affordable, treatment manageable, and your health records or health information uh, accessible and shareable on demand. Mm-hmm. We, are, mm-hmm. we are helping patients to take care of what matters most to you or, or to your caregivers or to your family is your health. And that is very evident in, in, the, in the current pandemic that the world has experienced or and still experiencing is the most important thing is health to you. Sometimes the most advanced countries, if the healthcare system is not strong enough, it doesn't matter how financially, um, you know, number one on the map you are, but if your healthcare system is not efficient or designed or structured properly, you cannot face the, the conditions like this. And you see the effect is socioeconomic, health, everything. So what we are doing is we are creating an ecosystem, a primary care ecosystem by, by in, uh, together putting the four primary features, as I said, that helps you to make prescri- uh, medications affordable by using our discount card that is valid at 75,000 pharmacies across nations, help you to save up to 80% on your medication. And it's absolutely free for the users. 
no registration, no activation required. The second is a HIPAA compliant delivery platform, which delivers your prescription medications on demand. Number three is a doctor AI, which is the most uh, that I get more uh, most excited about is your personalized symptom checker. It's almost like your virtual um, doctor, you can say, and that's your doctor AI. It gives you personal recommendations and my health pocket, which helps you to store your health information up to five family members. So you can carry it wherever, whenever needed, and can share it whenever needed with your healthcare provider. The interesting thing I love about about your mission at MediPocket is, you know, when it comes to cutting costs in the expensive U.S. healthcare system, MediPocket is addressing that exact problem by, as you said, you know, being registered with over seventy five thousand pharmacies to help you find the cheapest medication. You know, because oftentimes there be medications and you might go to the pharmacy closest to your house just because it's convenient. But if you went an extra five minutes, you could have gotten a medication, the same medication, maybe $20 less. Right. So that is definitely something which I see as viable for the future. And as an interventional, um, as someone practicing internal medicine, why did you want to choose this venture as opposed to making like say a medical device? Why did you see this as the most viable a way to address the sick care system? You know, I mean, one thing they always, I mean, before I was getting into this, doing something like uh, not treating patients clinically and doing something technical. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was often asked and still asked is like, why are you not just treating patients and focus what you should, you have been trained to do is to treat people. And to that, I say they're really experienced and smart doctors that can clinically take care of people. Uh-huh. But we do need doctors to volunteer, to step out, of, not step out, but at least uh, join hands with technology to create a platform or to create a system that can be simplified. It can be transparent because again, I can treat you clinically, but if I'm not making you self, um, uh, you know, self-knowledgeable or self-control of your own health, you will be dependent on, on doctors in the system forever. And that's not efficient. So we need doctors to take that step with the technology, with the, te- with the technical people, with engineers, to create a platform that is simplified to help you to be engaged in your health. And the reason why I created MediPocket as a platform, not as a device, because see, right now AI and or machine learning is being used in a very advanced stages or in the healthcare system, which is MRIs and you know CT scans and stuff like that, but that is not what most of the uh, the patients interact on day to day life. Most of our interaction in the day to day life is with the primary care system, not with the secondary care, not with the tertiary care. We are more with the primary care system when you when you go to emergency room. That's the primary care. So most of our our, our interactions is with the primary care system. And that is which needs more simplification because again, the three points about being, you know, not transparent, expensive and non-accessible sometimes comes to the primary care part. So I, being in internal medicine, that is what I have experienced while practicing that my patients are overwhelmed. They are, they are lost when they enter into, into the system and they're completely on the mercy of the system. When I say, you know, completely mercy, I'm not saying, you know, go revolve against the system or, you know, don't listen to your doctor, but you need to have your own control. You need to have your own knowledge. You need to have your own questions. It's like, why this and why not this? And if it's this, can you explain me why, what would be the effect? That only will happen when you have your health information 
that you can track, oh, that was my condition, that was my treatment done by the past doctor, that was it, and now this. Only happens when you have the knowledge from the past because the future is dependent on the past knowledge, as we know. So that's the system or uh, the platform MediPocket helps you is to keep uh, track of your health information. So when you are going into the healthcare system, you can have the right questions or the right information to provide. For, for our listeners who may not know, can you quickly break down the differences between the primary, secondary, and tertiary care levels of uh, healthcare? Mm-hmm. Primary care is more like uh, the first care that you get, which is... Uh, Let's say if you're having minor conditions, um, flu, uh, stomach ache, or stuff like that, and you go to the, to your primary care physician or to an urgent care, you get that primary care, the first line of care. Mm-hmm. Now, if your condition is severe or if your condition is chronic, you go into the secondary care. And the tertiary care is based on your, again, health condition. So those are three levels. You never enter into a healthcare system directly into tertiary care until unless if it's you know, um, again, it's it's something a very life threatening thing that happened, and you okay. have to directly consider yes. secondary care. Gotcha, and it, it makes sense how now I I I I really understand how uh, MediPocket intersects with that primary care level, and you, you mentioned not only in your your own company but in other situations in the hospital setting in secondary care where. AI and machine learning are being used to scan MRIs and other um, computed uh, other computer interfaces for for different uh, lots of different reasons. So, as someone who has an, a really good imagination for the future of what healthcare should be, what do you see as the next the first areas within the healthcare system outside of uh, your MediPocket device um, that AI and ML technologies will be adopted? I think it's getting adopted in quite a various um, areas in a healthcare system. Obviously we adopted um, this, uh, uh, you know, machine learning or artificial intelligence, the last, because e-commerce and other industries, you can see adopted it well, well, or, you know, or earlier, but we are always the last adopters because healthcare is considered non-technical. So it's always adopted, uh, I would say last in, in the industry. But there's various sector, sectors that is getting adopted, as you just mentioned, M- MRI and all that. Uh, um, others, the uh, I would say the other areas where I can see more future adopting, uh, adoption of it. Again, I think more on a primary care level. The reason of that is because that is what generally most of the 99% of the, of the patients or the caregivers understand you would it's really hard for a non-medical person to go to the second and tertiary level and understand it so primary care it can be used in the in the preventions and one of the use cases which is very would be very important and helpful is prevention of suicide and Mm self-harm now by using the data by using the patient's behavior and the electronic health records integrated with the artificial machine learning the predictive analysis can give you the risk of, of, of a patient harming himself or a person harming himself. Now, sometimes in, in, the, in the cases like self-harm or suicide, even as a patient, as a person, I may not recognize it very early because again, you're, you know, you, 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 you're not understanding what your brain is going through or you're not comp- right now at that point, but the thing has already started, but you may 
recognize it quite late. And even your, your physician may not recognize it earlier because until you show the symptoms or you complain about it, your doctor would not know about it. But how about your doctor or you can get a warning, or I would not say a word warning, but a little kind of you know recommendation or some kind of a hint that these things you need to keep watch of, keep mm -hmm. track of. In the case of suicide, sometimes as a person, I may not be able to or be willing to avoid that or to take care of it in most cases. Mm -hmm. But your family, the support system is where it comes. And that's what with MediPocket we do. My health pocket is not just for you. It's for your family members also. So if there's any indications or any kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, if any kind of such things your the algorithms are picking up or the, the data is picking up that needs to be informed, definitely because the privacy is very important in the healthcare, it will give that recommendations or those points to you first. But if those goals goes unrecognized after a few efforts of the system, it will go, go give it to your caregiver or to one of your family member that you have already nominated in the system because system asks the nominations of, uh, you know, uh, after you, who would be the one that can take decisions, health decisions for you. So based on your nominations, the system gives um, uh, indications or, 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 uh, or hints to that caregiver of yours that, okay, you need to take care of your family member and these are few recommendations or these are few hints. So again, this is how the, the AM machine learning can help. It, another thing it can help is also reducing the rehospitalization. Um, again, the system can, with the help of the data from, from that patient and from the overall data, data of that hospital and in the general public in that area, it can tell us how to minimize the the, the readmission. Um, mm -hmm. And as you know, a lot of Medicare pro programs or medical programs um, do, uh, you know, put penalties at some sort of for the hospitals if the readmission is, is within 30 days. That means mm -hmm. you didn't complete the proper, you know, care or whatever. So that helps the hospitals also to reduce the readmission. Another, another very, very important is to give a personalized care. The machine learning can be used in giving a personalized care or a precision medicine. Again, what I mean by that is um, in the treatments like cancer, um, what happens is like, again, there are so many, can I mean, the, the, uh, the med medicine have advanced quite a lot in the treatment of cancer, but till date, we do generalized treatment. Let's say if you have that particular type of a cancer, there's only set of five or eight drugs that would be given to you. But genetics is different for everybody. Right. So if one medication worked for one person of age 46 and, you know, of that height and weight, it's not necessarily would work for the same age group because there might be a lot of, you know, correlation with the family, his past history and everything. Now, with data, what it can do is it can have a predictive analytics or precision medicine based on on all these data from the patient and the overall data of the patient with that particular disease worldwide. And it can give you more like a proper like, OK, this particular set of medication can have this effect, 99%. This can give 60% and 80%. So instead of doing hit and trial, we maybe we can start more uh, precise uh, treatment earlier, which obviously is life-saving in most cases. Gotcha. That 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 definitely makes it makes a lot of sense in that these are the the areas you see as most um, urgent to, to address. I, I, I share that view with you as well. And um, 
I really love how you, how you tied it back into MediPocket as well. And um, as a physician, right, people in the technology space who are developing these AIs and different healthcare softwares have to bring them to doctors, right? I work at a medical company right now and we work in tandem with a lot of surgeons to get our products in for testing and understand well, what are some of the inputs that you need and what are the outputs you expect in a surgical product, right? And by no means, this wouldn't be different for a software product. So as more health tech companies birth every and every day, what attitude do doctors have towards this whole new idea of using predictive models, using AI and machine learning on sensitive patient data, right? To, to, to address any sorts of problems? What, what sort of attitudes are, are you seeing from your colleagues? And, and what's, what's the general notion and attitude towards software like this? So, you know, doctors are the last one. If you give them any technical, or if you use heavy technical words, they stay away from you. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can use really, you know, um, I, I always may make kind of a, like, you know, um, not an anecdote, but like that, that we are, uh, we use very heavy medical terms like pneumocosis and, and, and terms like that, a very heavy term that we use sometimes. But if you give us a, a, a technical term, which is not heavy, but it's technical sound, that gives us a little like, okay, step back. Okay, too technical, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. The reason is because doctors feel like machines cannot do the stuff they can, and not the reason that they are against it, it's because they don't understand it. Doctors are never exposed to technology when I, in, in our years of, of training, we're never exposed that, you know, you need to learn how to operate a computer, like not a simple computer, but a little advanced computer, how to operate it. Or if you're given a little advanced uh, device, this is how you need to read the manual and work through it or, or, or like that. So if, if um, I mean, obviously you're very, very young, but when the electronic health record system was getting introduced, it was literally has to be imposed on doctors wow. because our, as a system, as a hospital, they understood the value of it. But as a doctor, they were not ready. I'm ready to write the lengthy, uh, lengthy you know, uh, um, doctor notes and all. But if you ask me to type it on the system, no, that's not my part of the job. So it took a, a lot of reluctance in a way from the initially from doctors um, just because it's technology. And they felt like, I can be more efficient writing it. I can read my own notes, these are mine, right? Because this is my patient. Putting it in the system was a little work for them. But now after a decade, it's, they love it. And now they cannot function without it. And they're like, mm -hmm. we need EHR now. They, they are demanding for PHR to go along with that. But that's how it is. So technology takes a little time, any technical stuff to be adopted by doctors. Now, AI and machine learning is new to medical providers. I'm not say, saying to the healthcare system overall, but to medical providers, it's mm -hmm. still very mm -hmm. new. And then one of the reasons why they are very optimistic about what scale, you know, the scale of effectiveness it can give it to the patient care. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they are a little bit um, skeptical, which I think is, is, is normal and is actually is important is they can see the input as you are in a medical device com company. We can see what input you're giving and what output would be there, like cancer, no cancer, right? What about how you, uh, you, you came to that conclusion? That's still a black box for the doctors. 
And as a doctor, we have a we have a thought or 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 not a thought, but you know the line of causes reasoning to reach to any diagnosis. This because of this. This not because of this. So when a system can just give you input of the image and output is there's no cancer, good. No, but why you're saying no cancer because of the density, because of this. So that is still the doctors. That's why their confidence still of adopting is a little bit, uh, you know, uh, I would say a little less uh, because of the reason they still don't understand why you came to that conclusion. Now, what, obviously that calls for another startup to build that kind of a layer onto that that can give more um, insight of how you came to that conclusion or how the machines or the or the algorithms are coming to that conclusion in a non-technical terms. Do not give a technical term to a doctor. Oh, I came to it because this algorithm was like this. And no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Give it more, mm -hmm. you know, simplified medical terms. So that is one another reason. And I think one more reason is that is the liability part. See, the 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 system can predict based on the data that it's being fed, right? It's all about what data is being fed to the system, it will give. Now, what if the data is, let's say, um, in a way biased, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. it's not properly fed into various uh, criteria, whatever. And so, the, so the, the result would be kind of not accurate. And that is the fear of the doctor that there's no, um, the, the accuracy is a little question. It's not about like, okay, it's 99% accurate, but you know, it's also about what data you're feeding. So that's another thing that is, is with the doctors a, a question is that they are not sure how much to trust on, on the analysis provided by the, by the machine, because do, should we 100% trust it or should we still get involved into the clinical part? So I think still we are in the learning stages and the development stages of it. So. It's getting adopted, but the speed is still slower with the with the medical providers. For sure, and um, I was listening to the uh, Lex Friedman podcast recently, and he's uh, one thing that stuck out to me. What he said that um, technology is the innovation is not yet adopted, and when they are adopted, they just become tools. So I, I definitely, definitely that definitely rem reminded me of that. And um, thank you for setting that up. So. Now, I want to cater to our audience who are the technical folks <laughs> that would bring those technical terms to a doctor, right? Um, building a, a solution like MediPocket takes technical people like AI engineers, software developers, product development team. For our listeners who are mainly engineering students looking to innovate within this space, what are some things that you should know about a clinical setting before you get into making devices for a uh, clinical space or wanting to start a health tech startup? Mm -hmm. Definitely get into system. Mm -hmm. The thing is, if you are designing something by just being outside the system and bringing a solution for a system, then you may not be able to bring that efficient or a practical solution. So I always say, if you are a technical person, completely technical, that's fine get into the system. I always say do a three months of your, again, in a medical term, we call it internship of medical internship. Again, you don't have to be clinically doing, but get exposed to the system in every day. Don't just do a one visit and think like, oh, I understood how the doctor office flows or the hospitals flows. I would say get, get at least three months of your time, a few hours a day to go into, the, into that, that uh, exp uh, 
uh, sector that you are trying to bring a solution to or developing a device, get yourself involved. See how the doc, what, what is the pain points the providers are facing and the pain points the, uh, the, uh, the patients are facing and the pain point organization. In the healthcare system, there's actually three, right? It's the patient, the doctor, and then it's, it's the payer or it's a health organization, the health institute. So you need to think where is the pain point for all three and the solution you're bringing actually should work practically with all three because they are very connected. You cannot solve a problem with only one sector and leave the other two, that won't be practical or it won't be adopted as efficiently as you want or scale as efficiently as you want. So definitely get yourself into the system uh, to, under, uh, uh, to understand, to bring in the right solution. Um, another thing that I always say, like for a medical person, just to reverse your little question, is like for a medical person to bring a technical solution, just don't think medically because you need to think medically, I would say 80% of your solution, but you need to also understand technology part of it. Again, don't you don't have to go to MIT to become an engineer or something, but get yourself at least you know basic understanding of what are we, are we trying to build, uh, bring as integration with the technology um, uh, healthcare. So go same with the uh, healthcare providers or the doctors or the healthcare people to get themselves exposed to the technical knowledge of it, so that you can bring the right solution to the system. I, I really love that, and it, it really goes back to that what we said earlier. You know, like you have to work in tandem with the, with both worlds, right? You have to have your technical person working right next to your 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 clinician every step of the way to really get to that point where you innovate and bring some new product and new software to the healthcare system that you know tries to shift it away from that sick care model to more of a healthcare provision model. And before I know time is, is we're almost to time here. And before you go, we always love to end off with a question that allows us to, allows the audience to get a more deep understanding of our guests. And I, today I'd like to ask you, if you were 21 again, what advice would you give to yourself and why? I would say to worry less, enjoy a little more. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and I started my medical school when I was 21 years old. And again, I was too, too focused, um, not use the word focus, but too much into stress or worry. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And where I sometimes miss enjoying my life because you get 21 only once in life. So I would say balance it. Don't overdo, but don't underdo because you can't go back and live it. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love that. And, um, I'm 21 right now and a lot of our audience is in that range as well. So I love that. So worry less and enjoy as well. Enjoy more, right? I should have enjoyed more because I enjoyed, I think a little less. <laughs> a little less. <laughs> I'll try to enjoy more. I'll really take that into consideration. Uh, Dr. Priyanka, this has been an amazing chat. I really love our conversation and I see it as a conversation that can be continued. So in the future, we'd love to have you on for a second round of Medtocracy, but thank you for so much for being on and all the best. Thank you so much, John, and good luck to you with your adventure right now that you're started in healthcare, but good luck. It's a long way and it has a big, big, big scope. So good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, I call me end the recording now.